glad you're here. We are continuing our Exodus series. And in prayer this morning, we get together about 8 a.m. before all this happens, and we pray. We go to God before, we go to God together, because we need him. Yeah, we, we need his power here. You know, less of us, more of him in this morning, in this gathering with, with you. And one of the things that Dan said came to his mind is that this Exodus story that we're looking at is our story. It's part of our origin story. Now, origin stories, these are, you know, where'd you come from? How did it start? We had a memorial service in here on Friday. Uh, this guy, David Zavala, I've told you about his story along the way here. And he is with God right now in heaven, in the fullness of his presence. Man, look at that. There he is. And uh, we got to hear David's origin story. That's one of the best things about memorial services is people get together from all walks of your life and they share stories. And there are some Vegas stories in there, but there were some, some crazy stories in there. Uh, and there were some beautiful stories in there. Um, it was his origin story. And uh, we're gonna look at our origin story. It goes back through Exodus to Israel, this is our story, and it goes back to a guy named Abram, Abraham, all the way back to 2090 BC, okay? This is Genesis 12. Yeah, there's Genesis 1 through 11, but we're gonna start it at Abraham. Genesis 12, this is about 2090 BC. Let's go there now. It's in Genesis 12, and it starts with God initiating relationship with this guy who is just some dude from Ur, out in Babylonia, and uh, God goes to him and gives him this great word, this great promise. This is where it begins. Genesis 12, two through three. God says, I will make you, Abram, who are ch you're childless, yes, I know that, but I'm gonna make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Great start, right? That. Thank you, yes, okay, God. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and all people on earth, all people on earth, including us today, will be blessed through you. Starts with God, a promise to Abraham. Abraham then has the miracle baby, Isaac. Isaac has a guy named Jacob, and this line of promise moves forward. This is our, our story. We've been grafted into this line of promise, all right? God changes Jacob's name to? Israel, yes, and Israel has 12 sons and they have families and at the end of Genesis and at the beginning of Exodus, they number about 70 people and they're in Egypt. There's a famine, so they moved over to Egypt and then in Egypt, over the next 400 years, the descendants of Abraham continued to be fruitful and multiply like Genesis 1, 1 said, Genesis 1 said God would do for us. They became fruitful and multiplied. A large People group developed a nation called Israel. And over those 400 years, things were pretty good, but then a new pharaoh, a king over Egypt, came to power. And he started to see uh, this people, Israel, as a threat. They kept multiplying, man, they kept growing, and God seemed to be with them, and they seemed to have favor, and uh, he got worried. He saw them as a potential threat, so this pharaoh turned on this people and he enslaved them. 
try to control them in that way, but they continue to be fruitful and multiply. So Pharaoh then steps it up a notch. He hatches this evil plan to kill the firstborn sons of these Israelites. Yeah, he's murderous, it's evil, it's dark. Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, every Hebrew boy that is born you must throw in the Nile, but let every girl live. This is the situation when we pick up the story in Exodus today. Israel, this is their deal. This is what's going on with them. It's your first fill-in. They are enslaved and oppressed. Enslaved and oppressed. Okay, Israel is the big part of the Exodus story. And so is this guy named Moses. So how about Moses? Let's look at him now. Exodus 2, during that time when Pharaoh was murdering Israelite babies, Moses was born into that dark setting, into that situation. To save her child, Moses' mom like made a basket, put him in it before they could kill him, and put him out on the Nile. Just put him into God's hands, right? And Pharaoh's daughter just happened to be there, saw this, brought the basket over, and took Moses into her household, into Pharaoh's household. This is a wild story. This is our story, this is our origin story. Moses grows up, he knows he's not Egyptian, he knows he's an Israelite, uh, but it's confusing, and one day, this is Exodus 2, 11 through 12, Moses went out, he went out to where his own people were, the Israelites, and watch them at their hard labor. He's seen what's going on, he's seen their oppression. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, an Israelite, and one of his own people, and looking this way and that and seeing no one, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. Anybody read that story growing up about Moses? (laughs) Moses is a murderer. Hey, when he realizes he's gonna get caught for this, he doesn't turn himself in. No, he leaves Egypt and he heads east to Midian and that's where we go next today. Midian, where the heck is that? Well, let's look at the map here. There's Midian to the east of Egypt. Egypt was nice and green, this area where they were living and Moses flees, uh, he flees justice and he goes to Midian. What do you notice about this uh, satellite image of Midian? How's it look? Desert, (laughs) dry. Yeah, wow, okay. It is a dry, desolate, barren wilderness. Here's a close-up, next picture. Yeah, Uh, it's Nevada, right? Yeah, (laughs) I grew up in Nevada, that that is Nevada, okay? Uh, And another picture here. Oh, there's a little green there. Okay, there's, there's a bush there. All right, now the Midianites, who are these guys? They come from Lot. They're not the people of God's promise. They're not part of that promised line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They're not God's people. And Moses goes there and he marries a Midianite named Zipporah, which is a pretty cool name. But she, you know, it's not the people of God. In Exodus 2, 22, uh, we read this. Zipporah gives birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner 
in a foreign land. That's the meaning of this name. I have become a foreigner in a foreigner, foreign la land. This is Moses' situation. Moses, let's fill it in, is a guilty, he's a murderer, lost, lost spiritually, away from his people, away from Pharaoh's household, lost, he's a lost outcast in a barren land. That's his deal. It's tough beginnings there. But we'll see that God chooses him. God moves toward him, calls him, and then works powerfully through this guy, not because Moses has the right qualifications, right? But because God chooses to work through Moses. God chooses to work through Moses. And really, you know, what choice does God have? Like if he's gonna get anything done through us and he likes to do his work through people, you know, what's his choice? We're kinda, we're all disqualified. We're all guilty. We're all lost. And we're all barren without God. So let's see how God did this with Moses and then later we'll see how this really directly applies to us. Exodus chapter three, Moses was out in that barren wilderness, you saw the pictures, shepherding a flock, you know, great job. <laughs> Pharaoh's household to, you know, out in the desert there and he, he saw something. He was out there and he saw a wildfire, a bush on fire. And there was something weird about this fire. Exodus chapter three, verse two. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Wildfire, you know, let's say a lightning strike, lights that thing up. And there, you saw there's nothing around there. That thing goes up and then it goes down, that's it. This thing kept going. What is this? What's going on? This is different. And, and note that, you know, Moses, will see, he doesn't just explain it away. Well, you know, the natural phenomenon here is that uh, sometimes when bushes are, you know, he, no, he's like, I gotta check this out. This is, this is strange. So he's intrigued, he's curious, he's open. So he approaches this burning bush. He turns aside and God notes this, Exodus 3, 4. When the Lord saw that he, Moses, had gone over to look, okay, get that? That had to happen first. God then called to him from within this bush. God called to him from within this bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Again, if Moses doesn't check this out, he would have missed a powerful encounter with God most high. He would have missed it. He would have missed the encounter that changes his life. And we would never have heard about this guy. That's his origin story. How did God call you? What drew you initially to come closer and check this thing out? For me, it was just some followers of Jesus who had something unusual. I liked them, I was drawn to them. And they said, hey, it's, it's about Jesus. They said, you should, you should look into this. You should read the gospel, you should read for yourself. You should 
look at C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. You should see if this thing's reasonable or not. And I could have said, yeah, maybe later. I'm young, got things to do. Thankfully, I didn't, I, I moved in. And I know there are different origin stories here about how you came near to God. He does it in so many different ways. Moses got a burning bush, that's pretty sweet. But again, remember, Moses was a wanderer. He was lost spiritually, unanchored, away from his family, away from his people, and that's when God called out to him and initiated a relationship with him. And now through this encounter with God, Moses, and then us secondhand, we're going to learn some things about God. God reveals himself when we come near. God revealed himself more and more as Moses drew near. What have we learned so far about God? What can we capture so far? He knows who we are. He knows who you are. By name, where you are, your situation. God most high, the transcendent, eternal creator God knows you personally, individually. That's the next film. God calls people personally. That's stunning, that is stunning. He knows Moses by name, knows where he is, knows his history, knows his guilt, knows what he's done, and he knows what he's going to do through this guy. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Then Exodus 3, 5, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. All right, so God calls Moses, God calls you and me to come close. He draws us, and then there's a marker. There's a boundary, right? Because God is holy. God is holy. Then he said, God said, I am the God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Yeah, because this is God. This is the big one. This is God most high. This is not one of those little piddly Egyptian gods. This is, this is the man. We see something else there. God reveals himself. This is fill in number two. God is holy. Holy. Again, don't come any closer. Don't come any closer. This is holy ground. God is holy. He's set apart. We are common. We are unholy. We are guilty. We are sinful. We are impure. God is one. He is holy. Perfect impurity perfect in love, perfect, completely good and awesome, and we are fallen, we are mortal, we are the created. God is the transcendent, the immortal, the uncreated creator. So you, me, Moses, all of us have to come carefully. There's a limit set up. You and I cannot come into his presence unless we do something first, unless we do what God tells us is required. 
What, what did God tell Moses to do? Take off your sandals. Take off those filthy, nasty <laughs> sandals. Let's capture this. The rest of the fill in number two. God is holy and you must do what he says to come into his fiery presence. God is holy and you must do what he says if you want to come into his fiery presence. So Moses does this. He draws close. And when he does that, God reveals some more. God draws him closer into relationship. Exodus 3, verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. He sees. I have heard them crying out. He hears because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. He cares. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. I've come to rescue them. I have come, verse 10, so now go, because I am sending you, you Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. <laughs> this is crazy, right? It's cool, like God reveals his plan to Moses. Uh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna come down, and Moses, I'm gonna do it through you. Let's look at, let's fill it in. Uh, fill in number three. God is compassionate, we see that, right? He hears the crying, he sees it, he, he's, he's concerned. And he comes to save through those he sends. Those he sends, we imperfect, unholy people. So how does God respond to that news? Verse 11, Moses said to God, uh, who am I that you, that I should go to Pharaoh, king of the superpower in this region and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Sounds like a fun idea, God. I like the part where you come down and save, but are you sure you wanna send me? Who am I? I can't do that. I'm nobody. I'm guilty. I can't go back there. Justice will fall on my head. That's what Moses said. That's what Moses thought. But listen to what God says, verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. That's how it's gonna work. That's the only way it could work. I'm sending you, fret not, I am with you. That's all you need. God doesn't give a pep talk. Hey man, you got some skills. You're gonna be all right. You're not that bad. You know, he doesn't do what we do. He says, no, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will rescue my people through you because I'm with you. And Moses is thinking, okay, I like, okay. I'm, I'm listening again. Verse 13, Moses then said to God, now suppose I go to the Israelites, you know, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell him? What shall I tell them? Like, like who exactly are you, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? What is your name? And to know a person's name in the ancient Near East, to know a person's name is to know something essential about 
the person. Names often reveal something about that person and their story. We heard about it from Gershom. I'm a foreigner in a foreign place. Gershom, that name didn't really ever catch on, did it? Uh, Abram, his, his name means father, and then God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of many, right? Because he's gonna multiply through him. Moses means drawn from water because Pharaoh's daughter rescued him, drew him out of the water. Wayne means wagon maker. <laughs> I better start building some wagons. I'm not living up to my name. Matthew, any Matthews in here? There's a Matt, I know. Matthew's a great name. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Gift of God. That's pretty sweet. Daniel, I think it means uh, God is my judge, something like that. Yeah, Evan is interesting. It's Welsh, and it goes back to, uh, to John, biblical name, which means Yah is gracious. That's pretty sweet. All right, not all have a great meaning, okay? Calvin, any Calvins in here? Calvin means little bald one. <laughs> That's rough. Hey. Portia. Portia sounds pretty, right? Portia. P-O-R-T-I-A. You know what that means? Latin root pig. That's why that hasn't taken off either. All right, so Moses is like, okay, God, what is your personal name? What is your personal name? Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses... I am who I am. That's his name. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am, for short, I am has sent me to you. I am. What does that tell us about God? Wow, what a name. I mean, that's, that's impressive. It means I am, always was, always will be. I am, like I'm present, I am here, right? I am, I am complete, I am all you need to do anything I call you to do. Before the sun was lit up, I am. Before Pharaoh was born, I am. I am the one who was and is and is to come, the Almighty, I am everything you need, I am. I am all you need no matter what comes, disease or demons or death, I am. He is more powerful than anything and he is with you. He is with you, Moses, I am with you, I am with you. And it works, and if you don't know the rest of the Exodus story, then you are in for a great story. I am, through Moses, rescues people, God's people, out of Egypt with tremendous power and an outstretched arm, and it's stunning. Now let's see how this all relates to us today. Back then, Israel and Moses' situation, not great. How about today? Today, the world, your next villain, is likewise guilty lost, enslaved, and oppressed. This is everyone born. We're born into this. We're born into a world that's guilty, lost, enslaved, and oppressed. Guilty before God and therefore lost, separated from God. 
enslaved to things, to other gods, to idols, to, to wealth, to anything people turn to for life, enslaved by generational sin, enslaved by our emotions, enslaved by the latest ideologies, and oppressed, oppressed by the sin of this world, the sin systems of this world, uh, oppressed by the demands put on us, the expectations put on us, oppressed by fear, fear of death, fear of what might happen. There's, there's just like this evil human trafficking that oppresses, stuff like that. Now, if you're in the world, oppressed by it, its demands, expectations, rules, if you are enslaved to sin or anything, good news, next fill, and this relates to us, number one, the I am is calling you personally. He's calling you personally. He sees you, he knows where you've been, he knows where you are right now, he knows how you are doing. And the I am's holy, fiery presence is here calling you. Maybe for the first time, but then he continues to call us like a shepherd calls his sheep, calling us, come back, calling us. Hey, I've got more for you. And just like with Moses, fill in number two, to come into God's holy, fiery presence, you must do, do what? Moses, it was take off your sandals. That's, you know, people try to figure out that, what that significance of that. There's probably a bunch, but later, what did God tell the Israelites they must do to come into God's presence? I got a lot of different things, right? primarily offering sacrifices. Um, how about today? What has God said we must do in order to come into his presence? Yes. Let's fill it in. To come into God's holy, fiery presence, you must trust, trust in what Jesus did for you. Right? What he did for you, what did he do for us? What he did for you was he paid the punishment for your sins in full on the cross. What you must do is put your trust in it. Believe what he's saying, put your trust in it. That's why you can come to his holy, fiery presence. <laughs> and there's more. Not just come into his fiery presence with freedom and confidence because of what Jesus did for you, but then he puts his fire in you. The I am comes and lights you up inside. You're his, you're his house, you're his temple, you're, you're this burning bush. You're his wildfire. His fire burns in us. If you've turned to Christ, if you put your trust in what Jesus has done for you, his fire is in you. His life is in you. The I am, the eternal one, is in you. And therefore, we have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear, right? What can separate us from that? What can separate us from the great one? Nothing. We are secure in him. And then he does something Outstanding. Number three, the I am fire in you then sends you, he's sending you, just like he did with Moses, is sending you to seek and save the lost, to release the oppressed. He wants to do something through you. 
something big. Really good works, lasting eternal things. And maybe our first thought is, wait, who am I? Who am I? Well, you're his wildfire. You're God's wildfire, that's number four. You are God's wildfire in the world. He's the means by which he calls people to himself. It's crazy, right? He could do a lot better without us. He, he opts to work through us. So this morning, what kind of wildfire are you? God's fire is in you. If you put your trust in what Jesus did for you, God's fire is in you. What kind of wildfire are you? Are you like a smoldering wick? He won't snuff you out, right? But that's not so great, right? He wants to be more. He wants to burn brighter and hotter. He wants us to be blazing, name-bearing fires who bear his image, his light, his fire in the world. What kind of fire of God do you want to be? Man, reading this, looking this, I'm like, I want God's fire to burn bright in me, through me. He wants to make you and me trees of life burning with his presence. So how do we get there? What can we do? If you want his fire to burn hotter in you, brighter in you, so that he can, through you, call others into his presence, so that he can release the oppressed, seek and save the lost, then it's really simple. It's really simple. We do what he tells us to do. We do what he tells us to do. We let him consume us, we let him burn through us, in us. You and I must do what he says. Do what the fire of God in you is burning to do. Don't explain it away, don't say no later. No, don't say uh, that's gonna cost me too much. What are people gonna say? What are people gonna think? Look, when God's fire is burning you, you're gonna look different. Different, distinct, set apart to God. Are you willing to go there? Hey, man, if, if God's fire will burn in me more, yeah. I love that, I want that. I wanna, I wanna see God accomplish his good works through me, through you, through us. We need to do what he says, which means living more holy than we are. It means stop eating from the tree of death. It means going to him and obeying him, doing the things he calls us to do. It's taking off the old, it's taking off those old sandals. You know, it's your sin, my sin, it dampens the fire. And I just had this little mini experience of this. So I, Saturday night, I'm doing final prep and I start off by praying and I have this picture of just going to God's presence, kneeling down 
and I start to pray and God reminds me of something that I need to take off, that I need to put away. It's like, it's there in my mind. He's showing me. Get this off, Wayne. What are you gonna do? What do you want? Do you want that thing or do you want my fire? Do you want my presence? Do you want me to be able to work through you? I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I want that. That's better. That's better than this thing. I took that off. I dealt with that. I came back and prayed. There's a cost. There's a costly sacrifice. For you to live, for you to burn bright, means to die to your stuff, those old things. We got a lot of examples of people in this church. I mean, I just think of, you know, those people we saw up here, the student ministry leaders. Like they have a fire, the fire of God in them wants to help this next generation know and follow Jesus and be lit up with his fire also. And so they're, they're, they're expending the cost. They're, they're sacrificing to do that. That's how God works. The Thailand team, man. That took a lot to go there. They got a, God's fire in them is saying, hey man, I'm sending you to seek and save the lost in that desolate, barren place. So they go and, and when you go on those mission trips, man, you know this, you're like, all right, I'm just gonna go with what God wants. And then he does stuff and it's super cool. Lots of stories, lots of people doing that. Let's be part of that. So let's stand, let's, let's go to his presence and do what he tells us to do. Holy God, living God, I am, we come to you and we thank you that we can. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for anyone here that you are calling for the first time, Lord. And number one, Lord, help us see if there's anything you're calling us to take off. Help us let go of that thing that's enslaving us, that's hindering us, that is dampening your fire in us. Anything that makes it so it's hard to work through us, Lord. Holy God, show us that thing. Strengthen us to get rid of it. Lord, show us that next step, Lord. We know that you have good works that you've prepared in advance for us to do. Fire of God, we ask that you would rekindle that fire in us. Maybe we've just let it go dormant, you know, let it go down. Lord, we ask that you would breathe and blow your spirit on that fire again and help us say yes to you. Help us go with you this time. Help us go into Egypt, go before Pharaoh, go wherever you call us to go, Lord God, just with confidence that you are with us and you're gonna accomplish your good works. Use us, Lord, burn bright in this church, Lord God, for the sake of the lost around us. We wanna see you release the oppressed through us, Lord God. Burn bright, living Lord. Amen.